All right, it's Trap Game Thursday. We are not, We all know what that means. There are huge, huge conference games happening this week. Week five seems to be the one where it could go either way for a lot of different programs. But could it be Florida State taking their time out to go ahead and beat Wake Forest? Could it be NC State going down to Death Valley beating NC State? Louisville and Boston College, could that be a trap game for Louisville? All the things we'll talk about with Alex Dono, but of course we had to start out with the one, what the heck happened to Miami? You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's edition of Locked On ACC. I'm your host, Candace Cooper. Thanks so much for joining me today. I am joined by Alex Dono of Locked On Canes, and we are going to talk about all things Trap Game Thursday and more. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds than ever before because Bet Online is simply where the game starts. So we're going to start things out talking about all the tra- trap games of Week Five, but we could not start this show without talking to Alex about Miami. And what in the world happened with Middle Tennessee State? Alex, what's going on? Well, I was tempted to wear a paper bag over my head today instead of this <laughs> stylish Miami cap. Uh, yeah. Wow, Candace. And it was, you know, that that was heading into a game like that against Middle Tennessee. That was the type of game where I was definitely concerned about just a flat performance, but mm-hmm. never in my wildest dreams did I think Miami could actually lose the game, right? Yeah. I mean, they yeah. were gigantic favorites 25 and a half points heading in uh which only makes the upset look even worse when you're supposed (laughs) to win by almost four touchdowns and you end up losing the game by two touchdowns but um it was a a just a murphy's law everything that Mm could have gone wrong did go wrong and i don't mean that as any sort of an excuse because miami got what they deserved in that game they were flat out outplayed like flat out outplayed by middle tennessee um, and they were behind the eight ball almost immediately. So the first two passes that Tyler Van Dyke attempted were both interceptions, an interception that set up a score. And then his second throw was a pick six, which yeah. was a little bit tipped, but it still still wasn't really a great throw. And then on Miami's third possession, uh, Jalen Knight and the running back fumbled it and gave it to Middle Tennessee. And then, you know, the Canes just uh, – and then the defense started playing poorly. And so the two most surprising things for me coming out of that loss were, again, Miami got flat out outplayed on every level, except Miami's punter was actually pretty good. Outside yeah. of that, they got outplayed pretty much everywhere. Um, defensively, not only did Miami just get beaten down the field by MTSU's fast receivers, um, so athlete to athlete, they they failed, but – um, the scheme was a little bit shocking. So mm-hmm. like up to this point, Kevin Steele, Miami's defensive coordinator, I thought did really well the first three games. He seemed like he had these guys very well prepared for Texas A&M yeah. the week prior, even though Miami lost that game. But this time around, the Hurricanes were going up against an air raid offense. And, you know, they were putting their cornerbacks on islands in man coverage and yep. just getting torch <laughs> downfield. OK, and th- that's I hope that lessons were learned there because yep. 
that's a pretty similar offense to what they're going to face against North Carolina the next time they play. Miami's on a bye week now, but you know North Carolina's offense is like Middle Tennessee's on steroids, just better <laughs> players, better players running a similar offense. And then you know the other thing that was that was pretty shocking was um, just the play of Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, he's, yeah. he's been dreadful. And, like, there, there's definitely, like, a scheme versus player argument to be had there. I think mm-hmm. that both have not been good because they're they're not running anything similar to what he was successful in last season. It was an up-tempo spread last year, and he thrived in it under Rhett Lashley's offense. This time around, you know, Josh Gaddis has them basically running a Big Ten offense and, you know, a lot of condensed – sets and he just uh like like Tyler he looks it looks like he was almost giving up on himself in that mm, game mm-hmm. so it, it's just troubling things all around Candace yeah a hundred percent and I think for people who are like Mario's the quarterback whisper or not so much that game did not help anybody find comfort <laughs> in no. improvements towards Tyler Van Dyke and maybe their relationship with Mario but for that game like we talk about Wake Forest and Liberty there was a gut check there for Wake Forest when they almost lost to a team like Liberty. Do you think that this for Miami actually losing to Middle Tennessee State, this is that gut check season's going to turn around? Or are you like, listen, we're going to have to take this game by game, program by program, scheme by scheme, and then we're going to have to hopefully pull out some other games to even compete towards the Coastal, being at the top of the Coastal at the end of the season? Yeah, I, I think it could definitely be a gut check, like in the way of, like I, I do think that, people's eyes are now being open to the idea that maybe Miami's players are just not as good as we thought they were. But at the same time, mm. the, the effort looks so minimal. Like how do you go from, you know, on the road at college station, your offensive line is winning most of their battles against the Texas A&M defensive front to a week later, you're not winning any battles against middle Tennessee's defensive front. Like it, yeah. it seemed like a big effort thing to me. Um, and where the gut check has to come from is, um, I think that these players, Miami's players, just thought, and even one of their offensive linemen, Jalen Rivers, basically admitted this when he spoke to the media afterwards. They thought, hey, we're just better players than Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We can just show up and automatically mm-hmm. win this game. And, you know, they 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 got outplayed, out-schemed, out-coached, out-everything uh, to the point where there seems to be a, a quarterback controversy right now. And I'm, yeah. I'm very – I mean, Candace, I'm, I'm very um, – anxious to see what Miami does there because you know Jake Garcia who came on in relief for Tyler couldn't do Mm -hmm. enough to lead the comeback right Miami was down 21 points midway through the third quarter when he came on Mm -hmm. but Jake Garcia the redshirt freshman like he he looks better running those plays uh he looked a lot sharper a lot more decisive aggressive downfield maybe the play calling opened up a little bit more for him because Miami was chasing the game at that point right uh but he looked flat out better and so it's like is it to the point where they could actually make a permanent quarterback switch I'm not convinced because Candace if they if they go away from Van Dyke you probably can't go back to him like if you go away from Van Dyke uh on October 8th you're basically, you know, giving the team over to Jake Garcia. And then, you know, Tyler, I wouldn't blame him, probably transfers, finds somewhere else to play. So I don't know if they're quite ready yet to, like, completely shut the door on the Tyler Van Dyke era. So I'm expecting them to give Tyler an opportunity against North Carolina to start. Sure. And because Tyler is not Mario's guy per se, do you feel like there's more controversy in that regard as to why there's not as much faith in Tyler Van Dyke? Because, I mean, last season it was Tyler's the guy. 
take De'Aaron King out. Let's go. Like this is, we need to go ahead and put this young man in. He is flying in because of the scheme. Of course it worked for him, but now that it's starting to be shaky, everyone's ready to jump ship. Are we getting rid of him too early? See, that that's the million dollar question. Cause I, I can tell you what, what I've seen and, you know, basically for the past three weeks, you know, the practices haven't been open, but they were, you know, they were kind of open during fall camp. They were viewing mm-hmm. portions, spring practice, same thing. And in spring practice, spring game, fall camp, Tyler Van Dyke was the best quarterback on the roster. So I, yeah. I don't I don't know if – because clearly he looks worse in games. I don't know if that's changed in practice as well. But, mm-hmm. like, up until, you know, the last week of August, right before the season opened, I would have confidently told you, you yeah. know, this is Tyler Van Dyke's team. He looks better in practice than Garcia does. But now Garcia, in a limited sample, has looked better in games. Um, but no, there's no doubt what you said about, you know, him not being Mario's guy. There's obviously some truth to that. And I think that mm-hmm. for, for Cristobal, I, I think his ultimate end game is, you know, to get all of his own players in here. And then mm-hmm. hopefully I think he's hoping to not really be judged until it's actually the majority of his recruits on the field. It's inevitable. You're going to judge him before that, of course. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, Van Dyke is not his guy, and Van Dyke is not accustomed to running the type of offense that Cristobal wants to run. <laughs> and I also I, – I think they could probably do a little bit more to tailor that offense to him. I mean, I obviously, you know, when your offensive coordinator runs, you know, a pro style, you can't just tell him, hey, now you're running a spread. It just doesn't yeah. work that way. Like, they, yeah. can only, they can only adapt things so much, <laughs> but I do think they need to adapt a little bit. Yeah, not for nothing. Your receivers are down for the count. Like, I don't think anyone's giving enough grace to Tyler trying to make it work with, you know, not exactly world star, five star class receivers. He's doing the best that he can. And Jalen Knight's doing the best he can. But like, come on, people. But it's that's also me trying to talk to Miami fans with a level head. And that's very difficult. Uh, yeah, and, and listen, Miami fans don't want to be talked to with a level head right now. I think that uh, <laughs> my, my, Miami fans, they, they embrace the crazy and <laughs> – you know, I see – I'm not going to say people are calling for Cristobal's job because n- nobody realistically is doing that. But yeah. I do have some people that are now, like, almost, like, giving up on the idea that he's ever going to make Miami good again. They're, they're almost mm. like – you know, which is cra- – and a lot of people are trying to fire the offensive coordinator, which is, like – I the thing is, like, I, I need to – and I haven't been happy about the way Gaddis has been scheming and calling plays. I haven't, but mm-hmm. I've got to give him a chance to fix it. Like, that's yeah. my thing. Like, you yeah. can't pull the plug on anybody after four games. So <laughs> he's created some problems for himself. He's yeah. now got to find a way to adapt and fix it. Yeah, that's what makes great leaders. So hopefully he can adapt and adjust and then Miami can figure it out. But I could not have Alexander on this show if we did not talk about Miami because you guys have been the talk of the town and not necessarily for positive reasons, but it's fine. We'll regroup. We'll do what we need to do to to get things back flowing here in just a second. But while we are actually here, betonline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. So if you think Miami can turn it around from a betting standpoint, I highly recommend you put the odds down. If you think that Jake Garcia might be the quarterback coming around here, maybe there's a bet for you. Go to betonline.net right right now. You can use your mobile device or your desktop to learn more. They have the fastest and easiest way to check out all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. BetOnline is not only where the game starts, but it also has your sports wagering information, live betting, and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. So we're rocking and rolling with Alexano of Locked on Canes, talking about not only Miami, but the trap games that are happening potentially this weekend going into week five. There are a lot of good games 
going down week five. I don't even know where to start, really. I mean, we can start with Wagner and Syracuse because let's get that one out of the way. But <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Syracuse is going to be 5-0, and oh, I just feel like you don't let it slip. Like, don't embarrass us. Like, I know, you know, not for nothing, Miami and Middle Tennessee State, Middle Tennessee State and Wagner are not of the same caliber, but go ahead and get that one out of the way. And then we can start saying maybe Dino Babers is in the running for, you know, coach of the year already. We're starting to have murmurs about that. But 5-0 and oh is pretty impressive, considering where we all thought Syracuse would be this season. Yeah, I mean, obviously Wagner is never a team we thought was going to be. And it's like not not only is Wagner a small team, but they're 0-3 as well against the yeah. competition. That, that's rough. And there, there's there's not even there's not even a line for this game. Like if you want to bet on Syracuse, you can't. There's not a line. But no, Syracuse is a tremendous story. And this is one of those, and I know I'm not the only one, like preseason, I just thought that they were going to be one of the worst teams in the conference. Yep flat out wrong and I, I meant to bring this up last week but mm -hmm. it's like for me personally the most enjoyable part of watching Syracuse is uh uh my friend former Miami Dolphins receiver Aronde Gadsden of course his son doing an mm. awesome job there OG Jr with yeah. Syracuse I just like it's just I, it brings me joy <laughs> watching him do well and watching yeah. Syracuse win and so yeah they're gonna be you know one of the uh you know there, there's not too many unbeatens uh well there's a handful of unbeatens but i wouldn't have thought syracuse would be one of those in the conference i mean clemson's still unbeaten we'll see we'll see if they can stay that way florida yeah. state same thing but yeah syracuse is going to be one of two or three unbeatens in the acc after this weekend a thousand percent so we can start from the top saturday we've got louisville and boston college and to me this will say more about louisville if they lose to boston college a team that is low-key terrible right now if they even make it competitive I'm more scared for Louisville and the state of Satterfield than I would be for Boston College and feeling good about you know them getting this win like that would be like all right what, what are we doing over there in uh, Louisville Kentucky yeah they've got no business losing this game um, you know I do like the thing is this is going to be a recurring theme Candace because so many of the point spreads this week so I'm not necessarily looking at like actual upsets but mm -hmm. a lot of these point spreads seem to be very reactionary. So, okay, you know, Boston College got boat raced last week by a pretty good Florida State team. You know, Louisville, they're probably an above-average college football team. They're looking for their first conference win. They've been disappointing. I know they've got a lot of talent. We'll see what Malik Cunningham does this week. But I'm looking mm -hmm. at Louisville favored 15 and a half points in chestnut hill that yeah. seems like too much like it seems like like i i could see them probably winning by 10 points maybe two touchdowns but yeah. to actually be confident enough to take uh to take louisville minus 15 and a half points in this one seems a little bit crazy so you know honestly th there's there's a lot of games on the acc slate this weekend that are like not necessarily trap games they're just great mm -hmm. games but yeah i could see this as being a, a trap game for Louisville. I mean, I guess yeah. the saving grace here is it's a noon game. And so like, mm -hmm. usually the road games hit harder when it's like a night game. Yep. Uh, but listen, I, I, I've got, I've got some scars uh, as a Miami fan with some tough trips over to Boston college. So I, yeah. I'm not, I, I don't completely count them out for as down as they seem to be here. So this is an interesting percent. one. Yeah, for sure. Another one that I find interesting will be that 331 with Virginia Tech and North Carolina. North Carolina team bouncing off a loss against Notre Dame. Absolutely should have won, but I already told people coming off the bye, North Carolina just always seems to trip. However, with this Virginia Tech team and Grant Wells being their quarterback, this defense has to show me something. If you get boat raised by Grant Wells, 
I really am done with you. Like I told you I was done with you last week, but I might actually be done with you if you let Grant Wells look like somewhat of a superstar this weekend. The Virginia Tech offense and Grant Wells, they they look inept so yeah. far. I mean, they they couldn't do anything. They couldn't run or throw against an, a not a very good West Virginia defense last yep. week. Um, th- this to me, but but again, like this is another one, Candace, where I look at this North Carolina at home in a coastal matchup favored by nine points. Like again, that that <laughs> just seems like a little bit too much, and it's. It's not like UNC was impressive last week. I mean, they've impressed me, their offense, at times this year. Uh, but, you know, they, they were beaten soundly by a not very good Notre Dame team last week, which I, I wasn't expecting to happen. Yeah. So it's like, I think this is really a battle of what's going to stink worse, North Carolina's <laughs> defense or Virginia Tech's offense? Because like, I, I kind of because I, I feel like Drake May and that offense, they're going to score – basically yeah. no matter who they play against, right? Yeah. So they're going to score points. I, I think it's really can Virginia Tech's offense do anything. Uh, but I'm so impressed, and obviously I'm starting to study North Carolina a lot mm-hmm. more given that that's Miami's next opponent, and I'm, I'm going to be watching this game intently at 3.30 because yeah. yeah. I rep the Coastal hard. <laughs> I love watching the ACC Coastal, but it's yeah. like I'm just – I'm so impressed – with Drake May this year mm-hmm. and with UNC's offense. I mean, he's averaging over 300 passing yards per game. Uh, they're averaging, I think, 46 and a half points per game. And that's despite yeah. coming off a loss this past week. And they're averaging a ton of yards per game. So um, this is one where, you know, I know I, I already said that maybe being favored by nine is a little bit too much. But I, I think that's just like a knee jerk that I do when it's like a divisional yeah. game with that big of a spread. But I, I could definitely see if Virginia Tech can't score some points like in the first quarter. I could see this getting out of hand just with just by North Carolina's offense, just keeping too heavy of a pace for them. Yeah, but you know, if they figure it out in the last quarter, I'm telling tell you, App State scored 40 against our defense in the fourth. So it's 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 not impossible, right? Let's just again, I just want to see four quarters of play. I would be a happy girl, even if we lost. If I saw four strong quarters of defense, I would certainly be really good to go. Another coastal matchup that I think is going to be important because we all know the coastal anybody's game right now will be that Virginia and Duke game. So I think Virginia is a team that is desperate for a win. They saw you saw moments on Friday night, last Friday at Syracuse, where you're like, eventually this offense is gonna get it. Like eventually things are gonna turn around, they're gonna turn a quarter. They caught a couple breaks with Syracuse, not exactly being great from a kicking standpoint, but eventually this Virginia team is gonna get it. A Duke team coming off that Kansas loss, still feeling like you know they're feeling themselves, but they got humbled quite a bit. But Kansas is just having a really good year. You know, we all we all knew that <laughs> was gonna happen. But this Virginia, this Virginia team is desperate for a win. This Duke team is desperate to keep that home field advantage. So I think this is one of those games that could truly go either way, which I never thought was going to happen this season. But, you know, here we are. Yeah, this is one. And, you know, I, I talked about like some of the point spreads being way off. I think I think Duke being favored by three is probably it's I, I think either way, you know, favored by three. But it's one of those where it's like. I'm still kind of waiting for everything to really click for Virginia because th- this mm-hmm. is a team like. Uh, I think Syracuse was a team that I I underestimated before the season. Virginia is a team that I overestimated, but yeah. Duke is also a team I underestimated. I think uh, as as you've been telling people, you got me on the Elko <laughs> bandwagon and really got me believing in Duke. But it's like I, I'm just kind of waiting for Virginia's offense to really click. 
Yeah. And so I would not be surprised to see them go into Durham. And I don't know if you can use the word steal a win, but maybe <laughs> go into Durham and steal a win. So definitely. But it's it's such a close spread. I don't know if you would call that a trap game for Duke or for either team, but mm-hmm. I could definitely see Virginia getting in there, finally figuring out some continuity and consistency and coming away with a close win. A thousand percent. And last game I want to talk about before we talk about clearly the two biggest games going into the season, Georgia Tech and Pitt. Another coastal matchup where Pitt, you know, is doing all right. They're doing well enough. They're figuring it out with Nate Yarnell, and they're trying to understand their quarterback game, and their defense is certainly stepping up in big ways. Georgia Tech got rid of their coach. Jeff Collins, maybe he was the problem. Maybe this interim coach, and maybe the guys are going to play a little bit harder. Maybe they're going to be relieved that he's gone. Jeff Sims is still having a good season, throwing over 300 yards. You know what I'm saying? So maybe they just needed to get the leadership out the way, and not for nothing, they're going to come in and punch Pitt right in the mouth. You never know. So I think this is definitely a toss-up game that Pitt can't take lightly I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the coaching move because isn't it one of those things where um if I were a Pitt fan I'm probably saying to myself oh they couldn't have waited one more week (laughs) right because when you when you fire a coach this is not even mid-season like this is this is the first month of a season when you get rid of a coach I mean, players, players are embarrassed by that. Like I I've yeah. seen this like mid e- even if they, you know, maybe weren't buying into, to Jeff to, and, and they were, you know, starting to feel like, you know, Collins, if he lost the locker room, like still, when you have a team that's doing so poorly, you fire the coach in late September, it, it's embarrassing. And the players yeah. are going to want to come out and say, he was the problem, not us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with that said, it's like, I mean, maybe I should never say never because I, I cover a team that just lost a game where they were 25 <laughs> and a half point favorites. But I mean, Pittsburgh hit yeah. they're favored by 22 points here for a reason. And Georgia yeah. Tech, I just don't think has the horses. Maybe mm-hmm. if it was in Atlanta, I'd yeah. say maybe yeah. they could sneak something out. But they've they got to go on the road. So this is one where like it wouldn't surprise me if Georgia Tech can keep this close for a little bit and just not get blown out of the water just because they're playing for pride after seeing their coach get fired but yeah yeah this is going to be an interesting one to watch for sure and of course I I rep for the coastal so I'm going to be tuned in at eight (laughs) o'clock absolutely again I think that Georgia Tech is just a team that needed a leader to give them some sort of confidence and hopefully they'll go in whoever the coach is going to be and just play their own game and maybe it'll be a gut check for Pitt a team that's also buying for that top coastal spot I really think it's going to come down to Pitt Miami but you know Miami cannot they gotta stop embarrassing me I just I really want Miami to be the coastal champion I, I was bought in I was sold I picked them to win the coastal so I need them to just rally the troops figure it out and get get set there we go all right we got two more games here to talk about clearly the two in my opinion biggest games here of the weekend let's start first with that 3.30 game, Wake Forest and Florida State, all things happening. We're going to pray that everyone down in Florida is trying to, you know, get themselves secured. That hurricane is crazy. So shout out to if you guys are in its path. You know, we pray for you guys that you are not going to experience much damage. But Wake Forest is trying to come into town and get a good win after a heartbreaking loss against Clemson against a very confident right now Florida State team. If anything, like we have not seen Florida State have this kind of confidence in quite some time. I never thought they would have that with Mike Norvell, but here we are. And so Wake, you got to show us something. You showed a little bit with Clemson matchup. You just didn't seal the deal. Can you do it with Florida, against Florida State? Yeah, Florida State uh, favored by a touchdown at home. Uh, th- th- this one's been really interesting because it it opened – at three and a half and then just 
all of the money is coming in on Florida State, which I, I find I find to be to be interesting and curious. Uh, I do agree Florida State is just the better team. I mean, this is mm. one of those things where, um, you know, and I, I talk to a lot of Florida State, like the crazy. I have Florida State fans who are blood relatives of mine. Uh, people don't believe <laughs> that when I you? say it. They, 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 well, they, they talk to me a lot after Miami lost to them last year. They were pretty quiet for a few years before <laughs> that. Sure, I, yeah. I, I tend to hear from them when things are going well for them and not so well for me. But there, there's definitely just more trust in that team to mm -hmm. instead of finding ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. They trust them to make plays when they need it. Jordan Travis having a really nice year, of course. Um, but I'm not sleeping on, on uh, Wake Forest. Like, how can I sleep on Wake Forest yeah. after, you know, what they were able to do? And mainly Sam Hartman, because yeah. he's got his mojo back, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Six touchdown passes last week, which is another thing. We're going to talk about Clemson's game a little bit later, but it, it's – you know, six touchdown passes against a Clemson defense. I don't know how much they're missing Brett Venables right now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm thinking Sam Hartman can do some scoring on Florida State this week. Uh, you know, Florida State pummeled Boston College last week. They looked pretty good doing it against, you know, one of the lesser, so, sorry, AJ, but, you know, one of the one of the teams in the ACC that's not really performing. So I think yeah. people are maybe overreacting to that a little bit in Florida State's 4-0 start because this feels to me more like a game that's going to be decided by a field goal, not a touchdown. Yeah, and I think that Wake Forest's offensive line is night and day from Boston College's. Yeah. You're definitely going to have a bigger battle in the trenches. But I will say, Florida State is, you know, figuring it out with Jordan Travis and company. I think that six foot seven, you know, wide receiver tight, whatever you want to call him, is doing the damn thing. So it always helps to have one of those in your arsenal. But hopefully, we'll see them just remain consistent in terms of just trying to be the team that everyone wants them to be. You know, there are going to be a lot of Mike Norvell apologists. Shout out to my friend Sam, who started the Fire Mike Norvell Twitter Spaces that went viral you know he's gonna have to do a sorry mike norvell twitter spaces when it's all said and done so there's that final game you want to talk to here at nc state and clemson oh my goodness i think this is going to be arguably the best game you'll see on tv top 10 matchup you got nc state traveling and down to death valley Clemson coming off that big emotional win, but knowing that they have to repeat it with a very competitive Atlantic opponent. It's just, to me, all the marbles are right here. As much as I won't wait for us to be in the mix, I think it comes down to Clemson and NC State. Quiet as it's kept, NC State has done a great job. They're just not the flashy. They don't have the Dabo as the coach type. They don't have, you know, the big talking quarterback or anything like that who has 30,000 TV deals, right? They're just, they come in, they win, they go about their way. And you not for nothing, that's fine. You know, as long as you get the W, people don't care. But I think this is the put some respect on my name game for NC State. Yeah, this is just like a heavyweight title fight. here, yeah. And I, yeah. I, I, I'm i pretty sure I, I read this today that this is the first time that these two teams have ever matched up both as top 10 yep. uh, in the AP ranking. So this is, you could say this is the biggest playing ever between mm -hmm. NC State and Clemson. Um, you know, uh, Clemson favored by six and a half. You know, this again, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's too big of a number. It, it honestly, it honestly might not be. Um, their defense has to play better. I know that their secondary was banged up last week and, and they basically got shredded by Sam Hartman and Wake Forest. But the offense that Wake Forest runs, it's it's like yeah. Leonardo da Vinci level stuff. Like it's so ahead of its time. I, I just think it's it's a great thing to watch. Um, and, and in the case uh, of NC State, they're just a really well-rounded football team. Yep. And, you know, I know that Devin Leary hasn't been looking like as prolific as he was last season, but he's still been efficient. I mean, nine touchdowns to two interceptions on the year. 
Uh, but it's like for Clemson, I'm eating a lot of my words on DJ Uyunglele because <laughs> up until up until a couple weeks ago, like I was saying, I don't even think this guy's going to be the starter by the end of the year. Yeah, uh, yeah. because they've got a you know really highly touted uh, freshman. His name escapes me, but I, I thought hey, Clubnick. Point, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. I thought Clubnick mm-hmm. would eventually like. I thought by the time like Miami plays them in late November, it might be mm-hmm. the the Cade Clubnick show by that yeah. point. But D- DJ is looking so much better. I mean, I thought the how he played last week, tossing those five touchdowns. That's probably the best he's played since two years ago yeah. uh, against Notre Dame. But the Wolfpack defense is excellent, and they're especially excellent on third down. That's something mm-hmm. I'm watching. They're second in the ACC on third down, seventh in the country on third down defense. So yeah. uh, I could see this being another pretty close game. I mean, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be like a blowout either direction. Yeah. I think it's probably going to be decided by, I don't know, anywhere between four to four to eight points, something like that. And yeah. I'm definitely favoring Clemson. Like I, okay. I I'm, I'm rolling with Clemson. And I feel obviously better about it the last couple of weeks overall, even though mm-hmm. the defense was not so great last week. But I feel more confident in Clemson as my Atlantic pick because yeah. I have been wavering earlier in the season between Clemson and NC State, but I'm feeling a little bit better about Clemson right now. Yeah, I want it to be NC State. I think the environment is going to give Clemson the nod. I think that just being in Death Valley, but I think this game is won and lost in the trenches. I don't think anybody's going to be a big, huge playmaker from a receiver standpoint or running back standpoint. This is going to be won by who can make sure that DJ makes mistakes, who can make sure that Devin Leary keeps on this path of not being as excellent as he has been in past seasons. And for me, if Devin can can just figure it out Clemson is in trouble if Devin can just have one prolific like if there was ever a time to be the hero if there was ever a time to drive back to Raleigh and like you never have to buy a beer in that city again this <laughs> is the game Devin like you got you got to figure it out so I'm hoping that he can do that and just have you know one of those historic stories that he's going to tell his kids years beyond you know double overtime pulled it out blah 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 so maybe maybe we'll see that other overall though this is week five there's a lot of good games lot of great opportunities for a lot of teams to kind of make their claim where they want to be whether it's the Atlantic or the Coastal so I'm excited about that yeah I mean this is like one of those weeks and 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 I have the luxury of Miami not playing which means they can't lose this weekend (laughs) but it also means I can focus on the rest of the conference so you know I've got at least three games that I'm really really excited to watch because obviously I'm excited for Wake Forest Florida State since I'm a coastal junkie I'm, I'm excited for North Carolina Virginia Tech uh, and I'm obviously excited for Clemson, NC State. And yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to check out Virginia at Duke when I can. <laughs> Love that. Because you can pop your head in every now and then. It could it could be an ugly game. It could be a great game. You never know with Duke or Virginia, really. But all that to say, exciting times here for the ACC. Make sure you guys check out all of these matchups. Make sure you hit us up on YouTube or in our um different podcast opportunities with this Apple or Spotify. Let us know how you're feeling. Alex, it's always a pleasure to have you. This time goes by so quickly. I would love if you can remind these folks of where they can find you, follow your work. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, follow, you see my, my personal account for those watching, for those listening, it's at Alex Dono. Uh, make sure you follow our show account. Cause I do most of my like ACC and Kane's tweets from at locked on Kane's on Twitter. And yeah, make sure you watch and listen to locked on Kane's every day, wherever you get your podcasts. No doubt about it, guys. Come back tomorrow. We'll have Freestyle Friday with Drizzy Drake. He'll be swimming it up and being on the show. He is doing good right now. We'll hope that that uh, Wi-Fi that he loves to have trouble with every now and again does well for us. But he'll have all the best bets that will help you guys win some big money going into the weekend. For Candace Cooper and Alex Dono, until next time.